<clears throat> Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. I always like it when the Edmonton Oilers beat the Montreal Canadiens in Edmonton. Uh, I grew up as a Habs fan mm-hmm. in the 70s. Like, you could root for both the Oilers and the Habs because they were in different leagues. But right. um, as soon as they came in the same league, I switched over. And, boy, was that ever cemented going to the games at uh, um, Northland's Coliseum, as it was then called, and watching the behavior of Habs fans. Oh, they are the... And with all due respect, the most obnoxious fans. Maybe it's just because there's so many of them. Well, they had reason to be obnoxious. At least when they first, when we first got into the league, they were defending champions four or five times over. Insufferable fans. (laughs) All due respect, Habs fans, but you are. Um, It's probably just because there's so many of them at the Oilers games. But yeah, they really are. They were really riding high, certainly then. Maybe it's not like that anymore. I'm sure they're very well behaved now. Now that they've been taken down a few notches. Now that Montreal doesn't have all of the inbuilt advantages like of territorial draft picks Mm -hmm. um, through the 1960s and early 70s. Sam Pollock making the rules for the expansion draft. Yeah, things like that. They've come down to earth a little bit. Of course, as a Habs fan at the time, I thought, oh, well, that's good. All right, all right, Bruce, Oilers five, Habs three. Like our two good, two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast because it's a win over the Habs in Edmonton. We'll go with two good things each. What is your first good thing? Oh, boy. Uh, well, there's a couple of pretty obvious choices tonight. I'm going to go with one of them, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. I thought he had a wonderful game. And he was uh, he was dialed in uh, um, for the most part. Uh, uh, certainly had it going on in the second period power plays, uh, the run of power plays. Uh, and I, I mean, I'll mention right now, my honorary good thing is the refing. You won't hear me say that very often, but the refs, Jay Woodcroft just said the same thing. They they were penalties, and usually at a certain point they start just ignoring them. You know, when one team has gotten too many, or they start making cheap makeup calls on the other team. And I thought they called what they saw. So, and it just so happened that what they saw was a few silly penalties by Montreal, and they called them. Anyway, uh, Leon. Uh, I mean, the Oilers are power play aces, and their power play uh, went to work when they got uh, not one. Not two, but three, five on three opportunities in the second period. And then Montreal got one. And all with the first one by the Oilers were successful. And they were, um, uh, and the Oilers scored in the five on four shortly after they they missed out on their first five on three. And then they scored on the next five on three. And then they scored on the next one after that. And uh, uh, Dry Settle was instrumental on the first two of those goals. Uh, making an absolutely great cross-ice pass to Ryan Nugent Hopkins for the 1-1, which the Nuge buried, and then scoring the 2-1 goal, go-ahead goal himself. on uh, The executioner shot from the uh, uh, right face-off circle, as you, as you call it, and uh, I don't think he got everything on it, but what he did get was air under it. He put it right in under the crossbar, and that's why Alan, Jake Allen was unable to handle it. Uh, and he, so he put that one away. 
uh, and then uh, he made another great pass right across the, the crease to uh, Darnell Nurse for the huge 4-3 goal in the dying seconds of the second period after the Oilers had frittered away the 3-1 lead they'd established in almost power plays uh, to get the lead back before the weather was huge and that was a Leon made the big play there and then just another immense play on the uh, 5-3 goal that, that put this one to bed uh, where the replays all showed McDavid's breakaway and, and so they should. I mean, McDavid got in alone and made a great move. But Leon, I mean, he picked off the pass at the Oilers' blue line and then he did this lovely little pivot in the, about the space of a phone booth. And, he, you know, he did about a 270-degree pivot and then just fed the soft pass into the McDavid's lane. He never panics on those passes. He just always seems to put the exact right weight on them. And once McDavid was off to the race as well, Montreal was in big trouble then. So uh, one goal, three primary assists for uh, for Drysaddle in this game. And I thought uh, he was... Uh, uh, on his line, sort of, yeah, he had the least defensive problems of the three guys on his line. So, and just generally, I thought all around uh, a very strong game, and, and to me, rightly named the game's first star. Yeah, it was, he was in, uh, he made a major contribution, Bruce, to seven um, grade A shots for the Oilers. But, um, so that's not, that's, that's a, a little bit above his average. I think he's around six per game this year. <laughs> But um, just we've grown um, used to, we are complacent about the level of his execution Mm -hmm. uh, of skills. It is, it is unbelievable. He's like, what do they call Gerd Mueller? uh, Das, the bomber, the great 70s goal scorer of the German national team. He's like that. He is like that. He was like that player tonight, at least the striker, mm-hmm. where yeah. doesn't get a lot of time on the puck. Like a more modern example. Sorry for going back to my mandatory 1970s sports refer- reference. A more modern example would be Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But these guys, you don't touch. He he didn't touch the puck a lot, but every time he touched it, it was just with this unbelievable amount of skill. I mean, to uh, the executioner shot, which he you know. Can can pull off, you know. He he does about twenty to thirty of them a year. He he executes twenty, maybe maybe about thirty for goals. Yeah, for goal. Well, I think actually not like it's not that easy to get that kind of time and space. And they're they're all trying to stop it like crazy. So it's really an it's really uh, you know blazed into our minds when he does it. But I think it is about thirty times a year that he actually executes the play. It's not even every game. I don't think Bruce. Maybe this year it's a bit more. I'll have to check on that. That's something to check up on, but. Just the the ability to get off that shot the way he does it's it's it, it just had me laughing on the coach tonight as as he got that off it was one of those ones where I called my wife in <laughs> from the living room to come watch that play to come it was the only time that, all night I did it and mm-hmm. it was because it was just amazing how quickly he got off that shot and I think it actually hit something on the way to the net it was fluttering if I'm not mistaken yeah it went up and under the bar like he didn't he didn't get all of yeah. it unlike the one in Chicago the other night. Where he put it into the into the net so hard it couldn't even bounce out. It just basically embedded itself in the in the net. That was the five three goal, and that came in the winter. And this one was uh, 
uh, not quite such a rocket, but he sure got it away fast, and he got it up, and he got it in. You know, he he had mad about three twice to Hyman for break-ins mm-hmm. and once to McDavid on that great, you know, the insurance goal. Um, just just perfectly weighted, nice head manning plays. And mm-hmm. his pass to Nugent Hopkins, that's my favorite kind of goal. It's like the tabletop hockey goal mm-hmm. where where it comes slamming in from the wing and then slamming in from the slot. And uh, what, a, what a goal that was. I had a feeling all game long, actually, that the Oilers were going to win this game. It was shaken a little bit, and we'll talk about that in the, in the second period. Mm-hmm. But they just they did they, they have Drysaddle was going right from the start of the game. He was flying out there, and that gave me the confidence that somehow they were going to find a way that their skill was not going to be uh, denied, uh, as Jack Michaels likes to say uh, on most saves. Denied mm-hmm. their skill was not going to be denied on this one, Bruce. They uh, they had it going oh. on. So five on three, you got to think they're probably got enough. I got enough uh, arrows in the quiver that uh, one of them's going to find the target. Uh, sure enough, that was uh, the the other one, McDavid. I'm not sure if his shot even got a piece of something on the way, and it sure seemed to surprise Jake Allen. I think that maybe the D-man in front of him tipped it a little bit, but the other five-on-three goal, but it was uh, anyway. For yeah, Drysdale, that did look like there was some some tip on it. McDavid shot, I thought as well. Yeah. You say he sent uh, he sent uh, Hyman away at least twice. Yeah. And from right. good 15 plays seconds and, into the game, 15 seconds yeah. into the game, yes. boom. Yeah, from good plays in his own end, basically for the for uh, the two Hyman setups that uh, that I'm thinking of. Yeah. And, and uh, the one for McDavid in the end also started from his own end, so he's not just a dangerous passer in the offensive zone. Let's put it that way. So. Anyway, he had a, he had a fine game tonight. You know, it's a good good formula for the Oilers. They can, you know, if they can have a great defensive game for the Oilers, which is holding the other team to a mere three goals, they can hold the other team to a mere three goals, and McDavid and Drysdale get four points each. The Oilers usually win, and they did tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's it usually it's a it's it's a good plan. I like it. All right. Um, Whereas my good thing is, okay, I, I was expecting the Oilers to win, and and then you know they had a let up in the second. They scored right at the end of oh, the. Oh no. uh, that was of, huge. Yeah, that was that was the play of the game. Obviously, again, Drysital, Hyman hustling down Drysital over to Nurse, and Nurse with a very excellent finish. But um, I I just after seeing them give up, you know, they had the three one lead and then it's three three. I just had a bad feeling about the third. Like, can this team ever hold a lead? Can they ever do it? Mm-hmm. They are so they are so crappy on defense. They, you know, they just they just this team has got to crank it up on defense. They've they've all got to look in the mirror and just step up as defensive hockey players. Are they're going to be in games like this all year long and struggle to make the playoffs? And they're not going to do well in the playoffs. It's just like they are so, they have such so many soft moments on defense. Anyway. Third period, I'm expecting. Okay, I was going to say, what, this is your good thing? What, hor- <laughs> what horror show are we going to experience in the third period? And guess what, Bruce? There was only two grade A shots by Montreal the entire third period. Um, one of them was a kind of a high slot shot that hit the crossbar. And I think it hit Devin Shore just under the arm or on the sweater and kind of wobbled in and hit the crossbar. And um, 
but that was the that was it until right near the end of the game. There was a there was a crease play where I think Philip Robury stopped. It looked to me like he stopped a, a goal from going in um, with some uh, solid defensive play in the crease, and then Derek Ryan kicked it out of there. So those were the only two really good chances Montreal had all period. And so that was actually that was a really that's a really fine defensive effort when you're um, for most of the period you're nursing a one goal lead and you can shut them shut them down um, through that mm-hmm. period just two great a shots the whole period you've done your job the the Oilers did their job they, this team can play defensive hockey we saw them do it against um, really good teams in last year's playoffs and um, we haven't really seen them do it consistently at all not even not even close let's be honest not even close Bruce this year it's got to be a huge disappointment to Jay Woodcroft and his coaches the defensive effort of uh, so many nights but <laughs> this was my good thing uh so it was a it was a good defensive effort in the third oh you're i can't hear you check your mic plug it in Montreal bringing it in the third you got me yeah yeah i got you and they they were really bringing it all night really montreal's got a very exciting young team i was impressed with their effort and enthusiasm and you know there was no way they were going to go away. I mean they 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 made some mistakes, some mistakes mistakes of enthusiasm, shall we say. And in the third, I was thinking there's no way this is going to stay four or three. And the, but the way Montreal is bringing it, Edmonton's got it. You know they're going to hit them on the counterattack. They just have to bury one. And eventually they did bury the one, uh, the breakaway goal by McDavid. And, yeah. Uh, but unlike the Chicago game, where the Oilers continued to try and piss away the game after they made it 5-3 with five minutes left that night, this one they, you know, they had that one sort of emergency around the crease where, uh, where Brobery stood tall, and then Ryan Ryan made three different good plays there to to clean up that mess, and he got a good hug from his goalie for the effort too. But that was, you know. That was a play where they were in trouble, but they actually got a couple of good defensive stops to make the trouble go away. So, you know, you can say, well, they kind of messed up to get in that situation, but they came through with with uh, uh, a couple of key defensive plays there. And, and uh, that was really the last emergency of the game. So, Your second good thing. Yeah, uh, I guess I've got to go way out on the other limb and I'm going to pick Connor McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> Tough choice, David. Yeah, uh, he had two goals and two assists, but he also had two penalties for four pims, and he was sitting in the box for two Montreal goals. So maybe that's why he was second star, not first in this game. Uh, but you know, he did. He only had two shots; they both went in. Wow. Uh, so yeah, uh, a couple of takeaways. You know, he was uh, he was good, but to me tonight he was the. Uh, he was, uh, I don't want to say second fiddle on his own line, but uh, but I think they got it right that uh, that uh, Leon was the first star and Connor the second star, but he was second star with a bullet, four points. I mean, what's not to like? And uh, he made, uh, uh, in addition to the two goals, which we kind of already described, uh, he, ha- he made the, the pass to Drysidle, <clears throat> where they passed back and forth right through the same lane twice in a row. Leon passed it over to Connor, and Connor slid it right back across the same lane, and Leon scythed it home. Uh, and then he got the uh, the uh, secondary assist on the Nugent Hopkins goal. It was he who made the one-touch pass to Drysaddle for the, you know, for the big 
pass right through the Royal Road uh, to Nuge and the yeah for the goal, and uh, I thought you know he skated well and I you know I it, he wasn't at like his very very best like he wasn't ten out of ten or even nine out of ten but he you know I would still say he had a great game four points in NHL was a great game by anybody's standards what did you grade? I gave I gave them both nines I mean okay. four points yeah it's yeah like, no it's good. You know, four, if anyone else gets four points, they're getting a nine. So just because Probably. you're Connor McDavid and Dry, Leon Dreisettle, you know. I would have docked him for those penalties myself. One, one uh, I don't. I thought the one penalty was pretty iffy. So mm-hmm. maybe yeah, the other anyway. one's fair. Everyone's going to get a penalty. Yeah. Uh, okay, my, um, my second good thing is two defensemen who have taken a fair amount of heat. Uh, for different reasons in some ways, including heat for me, Brett Kulak, I thought had a really quiet game, but he did his job very well. He kept a clean sheet at even strength, mm-hmm. not one major mistake on a on a grade A shot against. And um, yeah, Barry and he, Tyson Barry and he rarely got in trouble. Um, Barry got beat on the, the penalty kill uh, by Doc on the breakaway, but at even strength, they were not in trouble. They they had a really solid game, giving up nothing in, in the way of grade A shots. Um, between them so uh he's it, it would be great if brett kulak settles down and i was making this point in a post that i wrote like everyone's freaking out about of course campbell and kulak and some of the for, you know forward depth and all this stuff and it just reminded me last year like we spent the whole year freaking out about mike smith and duncan keith at least the first part of the year keith uh, by the end, though, Keith came through and Mike Smith came through. So fingers crossed, Bruce. You just never know. And, uh, you know, w- would I bet on both Campbell and Kulak at this point? Well, I certainly wouldn't bet on Mike Smith and Duncan Keith, both of them last year. No way would I bet on Mike Smith uh, redeeming himself. But I-, I would bet on Kulak. I think he's going to I think he's going to settle in and start playing better hockey. He's, he's back with Tyson Berry. I think they're probably going to stick with that because that pairing works. Worked last year, um, and uh, it, it they've been they've been playing. I think a little bit. Tyson Berry's been the best Oilers defenseman I think in the last month, most consistent. And, he had a real uh, good game tonight, to my eye, Tyson Berry. Yeah, he he was fine, and and he was good. And Kulak, um, he just he they, he played sixteen eleven. Uh, he doesn't get uh, a time on the uh, power play. He got a minute on shorthanded. But um, those were good minutes from him, and that's what they need from him. Like, they only had to play Nurse uh, at 22-31 tonight, Bruce, because they, nice. they figured out a way to get to distribute the ice time a little better. So um, good for him. And I thought Philip Robery mm-hmm. has been getting incrementally better each game. He is the kind of uh, really tall and really smooth skating player who's going to drive some people crazy his entire career because he looks languid. He looks lazy. Some some people would say lazy on the ice, and and I, I think it's say he has been. I I think to, I think it's fair to say he has been, especially when he first came up, a little passive. But he started off the game uh, early in the game. There was a play where he charged up uh, into in the neutral zone and cut off a play and sent McDavid in on a rush. This was early in the first period, and I thought, oh, that's different. Like he, this is what he's known for, like his neutral zone play, like shutting things down, forcing things because he's so big. I mean, he is about six, I think he's 6'4", and he's he's fast. He can really skate. He's agile. So if you have this guy, he's got to, you know, he, he's got to be that 
you know, defender where where he's shutting things down up ice. And yeah. he did that there. Um, he made a couple in, in the third period. There was another time the Oilers were under pressure and he made a real slick move with the puck in his own zone to escape um, the four checkers. He, he did a quick uh, reverse cut with the puck and got the, got it out. So uh, and then there was the play right at the end where he stopped the play in the crease. Uh, stop the goal on the crease, which I think did happen. The, the announcers didn't remark upon it during the game, but I, I mean, I th- I was, that's what it looked like happened to me. Yeah, oh yeah. I, Live it, and on the replay. Yeah. It's clear. So these are, these are good plays for the young player and he's getting, uh, he only played uh, 12, 16 tonight. So he's still not getting a lot of ice time. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, he did well in those minutes. And um, that's a good sign for the Oilers. I mean, I think he's, I mean, Niemalainen and Murray both had uh, some good games, but they really didn't come close in the end either of them to getting the job done. If he can do this, if he can keep getting incrementally better, this is huge for the Oilers because they are, you know, I think the fact is they have one bullet to shoot in terms of acquiring another player to help this team. They're going to be able to get one good player, I think, at the deadline. So if it doesn't have to be a defenseman or a mm-hmm. goal, they can get another forward to load up. Right. But if it's got, you know, so that's what that's what's yet to be known. But if Robury comes through, it might not have to be a defenseman. By the way, Bruce, um, this is a quick third good thing. The video of, of Andrew Kane from the Oilers um, sure. today, him skating, yeah. doing skating drills. I mean, he mm-hmm. wasn't skating fast. He was just kind of doing figure eights, kind of, intricate figure eight movements with his feet and with his but he was he was his wrists his wrists were obviously um rotating moving his wrists controlling the puck i mean this is way faster than i thought i'd see a video like oh, that it's okay. like it's like it's like at least oh, a month new, new year's at minimum was my thought yeah. before we'd ever see yeah. him out on the ice december yeah. 3rd wow yeah Third? Third. yeah yeah. Here's I mean, the background and He was I one have. one stick uh one hand stick handling mostly, but he did have two hands on the stick at times. I saw two, three different videos and you know, I mean he was lightly handling the puck. I mean you're not gonna have the guy practicing one timers or anything, but uh just to see him out there and the fact that he's you know he's still got, you know, two hands, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was just going to say, if you hear some background, I have five teenagers in my basement here, so they might make oh, yeah. a few little bit of noise. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was it was actually great to see that. It was. Uh... <laughs> All right. There you go. Uh, so, hey, guys, guys, I'm doing a podcast here. Keep it down. Thanks. There we go. Uh, OK. Yeah, Bruce, he. he uh you know, he's such a key player on the team and he, he transformed the team last year when he arrived. So hopefully he'll be back and uh, good to go sooner than expected. That's suddenly what came and popped in my head. Maybe we'll see him by the new year, like on the ice. But, you know, it's a long way to go to, to rehab, something like that. OK, let's move on to bad things. What is your bad thing? Yeah. Oh, uh, you go first, David, because I think mine follows yours anyway. And I'm trying to remember okay. exactly what it was. My Mine was the, I think we, we were going to pick the same one. Yes. Uh, he graciously handed it off to me. It was the second goal. So the orders are up three to one. And um, you just, 
how many times have we seen this this year where they just and I've already ranted about this like the defensive letdowns the the lapses in concentration and I just think this was just rife this play was rife with those kinds of things um the puck gets um it's uh, advanced up the ice by Montreal and there's a, a pass across to Nurse's side and I don't know how Nurse does this but he gets turned around on the play and it's it's not that consequent consequential a thing because it only amounts to a you know a hard outside shot from just inside the blue line but you know he, he it's he one of those things where you think he's trying to do too much like he he was i mean he, i think he was thinking that he'll pick it off in the neutral zone if there's one thing about darnell nurse one critique i would have it's this constant thing where he's trying to do too much just a little bit too much you know skate with the puck a little bit too much be a little too active, you know, go here, go there a little too much. Like, just hang back and read the read the game a little bit more. Because if he does that, he just stays in his lane in front of his player and nothing comes of this. Nothing comes of this. Mm-hmm. But because he, he gets turned around on the play, um, the guy gets around him and gets an outside hard outside shot at net, which <laughs> Stuart Skinner, who had troubles with rebounds all night long. He was kicking out big rebounds all night long. And he kicked this this one time. He got punished for it. He kicked it right into the slot. Oh. And Cody C, Cody CC, in a concentration lapse, just momentary, just real quick, he had let go his man, and his mm-hmm. man steams in ahead of him mm-hmm. and puts the puck in. At the same time, Zach Hyman's coming down the middle of the ice and is actually the the deepest Oilers player on the play, and he was in position. Um, if he had properly shoulder checked to stop the player coming in. And I thought he actually did see him. You know, he's, I, I think he's probably thinking, well, Cody's there. Cody's there. He's got that covered. That's mm-hmm. what's in his, I, I'm sure that's what was in his head. And my job is to cover what's, what's anything coming on the other side. So in some ways I wasn't that inclined to blame him, but mm-hmm. um, he was there and he did look like he saw the guy and he didn't move his feet. So the guy beat, it was, beat CC yeah. and, 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 Hyman yeah, was definitely the guy in the best position to try and yeah. make up for that, and he just didn't go for him either. And the, yeah. the Montreal it guy was going faster than the two Oilers uh, defenders were that scored. Dodonov, as soon as I heard this morning, he had one goal all year. I was thinking, I'll have at least two by the end of tonight. Yeah, <laughs> sure enough. Yeah, I admit I cursed when that goal went in. It was three to one, and they finally had a you know a nice lead. And it was like the next sort of time Montreal had the puck, and was in the damn net. And it was more of what we've seen with it. You know, no lead is safe, uh, but as you say, they <clears throat> they uh, did make progress on that front in the third period. But those few moments there were pretty hairy. It was just what kills me, Bruce, is those goals that come out of nothing plays against yeah, the Oilers. How many times have we seen the nothing play goal against the Oilers? Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool. not they're not they're not giving up a ton of two on ones, uh, that kind of thing anymore. Like, that's mm-hmm. not the you know that's not what's killing them. Like it did in at the end of the reign of Dave, Dave Tippett. It was those two on one plays, even strength uh, you know uh, odd man rushes that were were getting them. But they're giving up these endless array of. Let's turn a nothing play into a goal against moment. And that was another one. That was definitely another one. So that's kind of, it's very frustrating. What is your bad thing? Okay, well, I'm going to go with the other two goals. And the other thing that they, the one thing that they had in common, power play goals, and the fail of Edmonton's penalty kill, which tonight again killed just one out of three 
uh, Montreal Power Plays. They scored on the first one. Uh, it took 17 seconds, and the only reason it took that long was that Cole Caulfield somehow missed the wide open net about seven seconds into the power play. So Montreal had to reset and then uh, set up uh, Nick Suzuki for a shot on the other side. And he just blew it past Stuart Skinner short side. And then the second power play goal that tied the game, uh, this was after the Oilers had almost killed most of a penalty, uh, McDavid's second penalty. And the Oilers had, uh, they killed the first part of it really well, and then they spent about a minute 20 stuck in their own zone as Montreal cycled the puck around. And then just as the power play was winding down, they finally got hold of the puck. Darnell Nurse got it, and he's got lots of open ice and open lane to shoot it down the ice, and you're thinking, this is going to kill the rest of the penalty. And he goes and shoots it over the glass. And so now it's the Oilers are two men short for 11 seconds, and they could only kill 10 of the 11 seconds before that one was in the net. Again, I thought Skinner was beat on an outside shot that maybe he should have had. Like, I, from Skinner's perspective, he had he had some good moments in this game. And, you know, he had, you know, he stopped 30 out of 33. But in a sense, I thought all three of the goals were were a little, uh, they had a little odor about them, you know. Yeah, they he did. He played on two grade B shots. Yeah. And he punted out a huge rebound on another grade B shot that, that led to the third goal. But on the power play, th- those were... Uh, um, you know, just the, the, the persistent inability of the PK unit to get the job done is, is frustrating and frankly worrisome because they don't seem to be making progress uh, on that particular issue. Yeah, let's just check where their PK is. Net PK, 28th in the league. Mm-hmm. Man, they're just killing off 70%. Yeah, oh, that's brutal. Oh, that is brutal. Yeah, their power play is third in the league, uh, but they're... Uh, I think it's something like nine out of the last 24 or something like that that have scored. Yeah, and they just, just don't seem to have anyone who can kill these very well. Uh, yeah, bring back Chris Russell. Is, you know, they, they maybe that's what they'll, they need is a defenseman who can really help on peaking ahead. So. Maybe it'll be Philip Broberg, like be he, Broberg, big lanky guy, big lanky guy, and um, if he can win pucks, pop pucks off people's sticks and play a conservative game, smart game, like why not him? He's he he should be an outstanding defensive hockey player. I mean, he's not mean. He's not going to be that guy, but you don't have to be. I mean, another manager, uh, seventy sports reference here. Sir Savard wasn't mean, but he was a hell of a penalty killer. Like you just get these guys, you know, you can do it with skill. Evan Bouchard can do it with skill. Um, maybe they'll be part of the answer. I don't know. All right, numbers. Are we at numbers? We are at numbers. So um, my number, Bruce, is eight. And I think that's the number of hits that Yesapuli Yoyarvi had in this game. And even before I I had noted that in my comment, I, I wrote... I think this is the most physical game Yesapuli Yarvin's ever played for the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? If you're not scoring and you're mm-hmm. not making a lot of assists and you're having, you're struggling on the attack, what do you want to do? You want to play solid defensive hockey and you want to you want to get involved physically. So that mm-hmm. was a that was a that was I didn't give him I gave him a seven. That was a good game, but yeah. like yeah, for, him, for him, for him, where he's at right now, that was a great tactic. 
that was a great strategy. If his idea was he's going to mix it up and start to get involved, good for Yesapoli Arvi because I think mm-hmm. I don't think he has. You know, having watched him now, we've watched him quite a number of years. He 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 um he hasn't yet developed kind of elite skill at the NHL level, passing or shooting the puck. He's he's an he's a good passer of the puck, and he's an okayish shooter of the puck, but um. He he's he does have some really good skills for checking and being tenacious. And if he can add kind of a physical element to that, Bruce, um, mm-hmm. he I, I like the player. I think he's a useful player, and I think he's a top six player. He's a glue player. If he's defensively strong, he's popping pucks. He's get he's getting involved physically. That's a really useful player on your hockey team. If you don't recognize that, you know you think, well, that's not three million dollars worth of a player. You know, maybe maybe you need. A bit more goal scoring. I'm sure he'd agree, but he he is. That was that was a that was a good game for yes. I I appreciated that, and maybe he'll have still Bruce. Maybe he'll still have his Tage Thompson moment where he, where the big man suddenly uh, suddenly all of that coordination comes in an instant. You know, Peter Mahovlich being the 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 first example that I can remember this, but there's been others of these great big guys who suddenly around 25. Mm-hmm. 26 years of age, it comes together for them. And it could, we, so we could still see from the RV uh, an increase in skillful play. Yeah. Anyway, um, tonight was an example of physical play, and and I commend him for that. Yeah, where's Valerie Nichushkin moment, right? I mean, another yeah. guy who was like 25 years old and he had a reputation of not being able to, to, to score. I thought, yeah. well, he's a good player. You know, he does a lot of things right. He just can't score. And then all of a sudden he could score. And uh, he was pretty close to a complete player, just like that. So anyway, uh, JP, he was getting down and dirty tonight. He was getting into it with that uh, Arbor Jakai. I don't know that, what his name Jack, is. Jack was Jack was going off on Arbor Jakai. He was going all game. Is he, where where is, that, is he from? Is he, is he from Klingon? Is I, think he Klingon? He's, I think he's from Mars. Yeah, yeah, Klingon. That's good. <laughs> X... H E K A J, and his teammates call him Wi Fi because it looks like a Wi Fi uh, passcode. Oh. <laughs> his name it looks like those bizarre random letters that you get when you have a when you get a when you get a Wi Fi pass. That's a great nickname, and he's a hell of a player. Yeah, I was very impressed with this game. Very, very, <laughs> very physical, but very very offensive player too. Like he was on the five on three and he scored. He's you know, good, yeah. He's, he's yeah. a good hockey player. Like, uh, where the heck did they and, find him? Yeah, and uh, he was uh, he was um, on uh, Hamilton's uh, team that went to Memorial Cup last year. He played with uh, Steady Steve Steos's kid, Nathan oh, yeah. Steos, and they were a force in the Memorial Cup. And he was very noticeable. I mean, just seeing that name bar, I mean, you're sort of going, holy crap, what's that? Uh, but uh, he's, uh, you know, he's a very interesting and I would imagine extremely popular player in Montreal already. And you know that Caden Gooley, uh, former Oil King? Wow. Dan, did he ever stop McDavid in his tracks twice <laughs> yeah. on one shift? It was like textbook. Now, this guy's a rookie. Holy crap. So, you know, they got some nice pieces there. Anyway, uh, uh, JP was getting it into into it with guys like that tonight. And, uh, and just, you know, sort of scrummage or, you know, creating space or, or standing up to them and sort of sort of canceling them out. And the play that he made that impressed me the most was just inside Oilers' blue line where he won a puck battle. I'm not sure he ever even touched the puck, but because he won the battle and took his guy out, 
Uh, another, you've got it in the scoring chance. Another Oiler came in, swooped in, and got the puck, and they, uh, his two line mates. Uh, uh, so it would have been Jan, Mark, and Nuge, I think, that uh, created an excellent scoring opportunity out of this uh, counterattack that only happened because Pogliarvi had done the grunt work first of of uh, of cancelling out his man and creating the loose puck for the other guys to do something with. And that's, you know, that's the heart of his game. And, you know, as long as he's doing that, then he's helping the team. And you can argue about what the value of that is or not value, but it's a positive value, I would say. And so keep doing that. You're, you're helping the team, you know. Darn tootin'. Darn tootin'. All right, your number. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to go with this one. Uh, well, this small set of numbers. Uh, but in the last uh, three games, in fact, the last two games in one period, uh, the Oilers have given up seven, count them, seven goals off of defensive zone face-offs. Uh, six of them came within 10 seconds of the last face-off. Uh, the seventh one took 17 seconds because it's the one I described earlier where uh, Caulfield missed, so Montreal had to reset and score a second time. But... Uh, and I think five of the seven were power play goals by the other team. So it's starting right from the face-off. And it's not like they lost all the face-offs. I think they actually won three of them. Uh, but then they turned the puck over, the Oilers did, on sort of the stick. They won the draw, but then the second guy who got the puck turned it over. And then it's there's no structure in the D zone. I mean, remember the one the other night where Devin Shore went racing right out past the Guy who just walked in and scored. I know. Well, they, they've got, yeah, a, they've got a system. They got a system, but this just in. The system ain't working. Fix what is this? What is the system that you must rush out, put your hand on the blue line, and come back before you're allowed to get engaged yeah. in defensive hockey? It's the strangest <laughs> play, and they're doing it repeatedly. They're go- these forwards are coming, shooting way out, getting way out of position, and they're passing around them. What are they doing? Yeah. Well, the high, the high four. They have a line. They have the I formation penalty kill. So they have a low forward guarding the, uh, you know, the bumper guy and and the cross seam passes. And the high forward's job is to stop the D to D pass. But they apparently don't seem to care if one of the D just kind of walks into the top of circle circle and fires a rocket. And it's been costing them goals, goals, goals. I mean, seven goals in three games off a of lost faceoffs, and six of them were within ten seconds, five to ten seconds. I looked them all up. Five to ten seconds, six goals against off of defensive zone faceoffs, just in three games. So it's uh, it's one of those maybe just little clusters of where things went wrong and sort of the same common factor to all of them. But I would I'm mentioning it as a thing that needs to be fixed because it's not good enough. I mean, seven goals, some teams don't give up seven goals, period, in three games, let alone, you know, seven off of one particular uh, type of play, you know, face off in your D zone and you're picking it out of your net within 10 seconds. Not good. Yeah. No, not even close to good, Bruce. (laughs) Yeah, not even close. Uh, Oh, well, what can you do? What can you do? I just two, changed my two background. In, two in Chicago? I like it. Two in Chicago? Three, I just changed my background there. Yeah, I see that, Connor, and the guy drinking a beer behind him. Two, <laughs> two, in, the, two in the Chicago game in the third period. Mm-hmm. Three in Minnesota. Two more tonight. 
So yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. Wasn't Dave Madsen supposed to fix their defense? Anyway, yeah. lots of people have come in supposed to fix the defense. I mean, Tom Rennie, oh. Dallas Akins, Pat Quinn, Pat Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Todd McClellan, Ken Hitchcock. Anyway, that's a specific area that needs fixing. Defensive zone structure after a faceoff. Win or lose the faceoff. You got, you know, there's something they're not doing right, especially on the penalty kill. Indeed. Okay, so they play next Monday night, correct? Mm-hmm. Monday night. Who do they play? Washington Capitals. Ooh. Team that right. beat them 5 4 with four power play goals. Uh, last time they met in Washington there uh, uh, last month. So they all we'll won. Skinner? Do you think yeah. we'll see Skinner? I, think I do. We'll see Skinner. Yeah, he won. So yeah. um, that's that'll do it. Any? Yeah. You know, I, I I haven't looked at what I don't know what Cal Peterson's contract is in LA. I'll just look that up right now. They did send him to the minors, Alberta. I mean, yeah. they waved him and nobody touched it. Well, no one's going to take Campbell. Yeah, no, no, that's right. No. They can waive him if they want to. He's he's not got a no movement clause. He's got a no trade clause. But they can move him if they wanted to. But they, I'm not sure who they'd bring up at this point. But. So just wait a second here. Can you waive him if he's got a no trade clause? I believe they. The my understanding is they can. It's a but limited. Could someone take him on waivers then? Uh, is that how you get can. around that? You can get. Yeah. If, okay. If someone takes someone with a no trade clause. Is that right? Yeah. No, I don't don't hold me to that. There are things in the small font part of the CBA, which is most of it, uh, which I either don't get, don't understand, can't read lawyerese, or I'm just dumb and don't get it. But there there are things in there. But what, what I the general thing I heard is that the Oilers can waive Campbell. I don't think they will, and I don't think they would. You know, I don't think that's something Ken Holland would do. We need, uh, but we need to put in a a lifeline call to Ira Cooper, the cult of hockey contributor, uh, who is mm-hmm. a lawyer and knows the CBA. He, uh, he's, he, he can he can read size one font. Original, <laughs> original Posar. He's got uh, he's got the eagle eye of the legal beagle. Indeed. Oh, <laughs> there's a three word rhyme in one sentence so alrighty well let's leave it there Bruce uh, thank you for t- talking tonight thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>